Today's episode is a little different. I'm super excited to introduce you to Dennis Yu. Dennis is what you could call an OG. He started over 20 years ago as a search engineer for Yahoo, helping them build their analytics from the ground up. As a result, he's been one of the most sophisticated PPC advertisers in the world, given the crazy access to data and analytics he had with Yahoo. He spent over $1 billion in Facebook ads using his dollar a day strategy and oversaw $1 million a day running ads for the likes of Quiznos, Jack Daniels, Rosetta Stone, and others. And he's helped many tiny businesses apply what he's learned working with huge brands. And today we're going to go through a case study method where I'll approach Dennis as a fairly typical restaurant. And together we'll discover how he would help that restaurant rapidly grow their restaurant through digital marketing. Dennis, here's what I got for you. I'm a restaurant owner in a medium-sized city in, let's say, Canada. There's about 350,000 people in this city. Our concept is we're a sort of elevated restaurant. We specialize in Spanish cuisine, let's say. And our marketing efforts are here and there. None of us have any training. We post three to four times a week on Facebook and Instagram. We try and share different specials. We try to put on different events to engage the community. But it just feels like drawing blood from a stone. We're never really sure what works. We can't seem to get traction. And, and we're coming to you, Dennis, you, this challenge of ours. And we'd really love to get some predictability in our business. We're at about five or $600,000 a year in revenue. We'd really like to cross that million dollar and even $1.5 million a year because we know that would really yeah. unlock things for us. And sure. yeah, what, where do we begin? I'm going to give you a very simple tip and almost no one does this. The world of digital marketing is not about magic wands and pulling bunnies out of hats. It's about amplifying what's already working well. So I'd ask you, Kyle, you have a Spanish restaurant in or midsize with Edmonton or something, and you're doing 500K. What is it that draws people into the restaurant now? Why do people come? Why are people coming into the restaurant now? What people brings them? Referrals, friends, your Google reviews? What yeah. is it? So we've, yeah, we'd say like word of mouth, like a lot of people have really, we've um, made a bit of a name for ourselves and for like our wine program is really popular and we, we have a sommelier in house who curates a beautiful list. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people say that they come on in to, to try our new wines. Okay. Edification or lifting up of some of your best customers, your servers, maybe the sommelier is talking about, Hey, you're not a, a a snobby wine person, let me tell you a few things about wine. And let me tell you about our collection. Let me tell you about how I got started. Are lifting up the employees? Like Sally, she's been here for three years and so proud of her. She was a single mom and now this is where she, are you doing that kind of stuff where instead of just showing the menu items, showing things that are obviously advertisements, showing the human angle and uplifting your customers and uplifting your staff. We have a couple of times, but mostly we're focusing on our food and drink and the experience inside the four walls. And the biggest issue I see with restaurants, and you can see what I've put with the Restaurant Marketing Association and the RMDA and the other groups, it's the same problem, is the restaurants focus just on the food and just on the menu and they forget the people and people buy from people. And it's those people's stories. So think about Kyle, restaurants that you go to and do you go there because it has the best food or do you go because that's where a friend invited you, right? You go to where your friends invite you. You go to your dentist or whoever you choose, you choose. You don't know if they're the best dentist. You don't know the best car mechanic, but it's the one that your friends go to, right? Would you see that and say that's a fair statement? Yeah, I would say that's a fair statement. I would say I also go to places that are familiar to me. Yeah. And that's how people make decisions based on what their friends are doing. 
and based on reviews and this kind of thing. So it's not that you're competing against other Spanish restaurants. It's you're uplifting people. And when friends of those people see themselves on social media, it's like you awarded them a prize. You're edifying them. And people, so rarely do people ever get this sort of acknowledgement, right? People are so inundated with stress and bills and lack of sleep and problems that when you lift up your customers, they feel special. And then what do they do? Tell everybody about it. It's literally that simple. And this is true before the days of the internet. It's funny because when I was at Yahoo, this is like 25 years ago, I'm like the sophisticated data mining, London School of Economics, master's degree, all this kind of stuff, really sophisticated math kind of guy. And I started crunching all the data to see what people were doing. For example, I knew that before dinner, like two hours before dinner, guess what percent of people have decided where they're going to eat or what they're going to eat? Ooh, I would say two hours before dinner. I, I would say that 60 to 70% of people have made the decision. It's actually the reverse. It's pretty close. 67, 70% have not decided. Wow. Wow. So think about that opportunity before eat every single meal. Like it's, I don't know what's, where is it, what time is it where you are right now? Right you now it's 2, 2, 11 p.m. Two, okay, so you're probably gonna have dinner in a few hours, right? Have you decided where you're gonna have dinner or what you're gonna have? T today I have. Today but you have, have, okay. But most, but I've asked this question a lot and most people have not. Then they'll say, okay, great, how are you deciding? You're gonna talk to your wife, you're gonna ask your friend, or maybe when you're driving home, you, oh, you see a familiar place or you think of something, or th there's always some kind of coordination that happens. And at Yahoo, I thought, you know what? If we could influence people with something they do every day, you have to eat every day, unless you're like some crazy fasting person. And that's an opportunity to be building these relationships and people overcomplicate marketing. Like you were saying by, oh, we're constantly posting on social media, like they're checking the boxes because someone said you have to post on Instagram three times a day or you have to have a blog or you have, you don't have to do any of those things. Here's the thing. And we talk about this in the best-selling book on social media on Amazon, which is me and Perry Marshall at Co-op, and this is, we also have the best-selling book on Facebook ads and the best-selling book on Google and together have 800,000 copies sold. The key is that when you, when your content is elevating your guests and telling stories and elevating the key sommelier you have, and it's, hey, it's John's birthday today. He turned 50. You're not talking about, yes, you can have parts about how the food is made and this menu item and catering that you have and whatever. But when you make it about personal stories, it doesn't feel like content anymore. Have you seen a favorite movie, Kyle? Maybe there's, there's a movie or a song that you really like, right? Maybe you saw the new Tom Cruise movie, right? I'm like, how is that? Tom Cruise is 62. How the hell is he Mission Impossible like 23? Jeez, how many are there? You don't come out of the movie theater saying, dang, that was really good content, do you? No. What do you say? If you like the movie, what do you say? So it's a great story. Yeah, it's always about the story. So if you call it content, if you call it testimonials, then you're instantly putting this label of this is garbage, do not consume. Mm -hmm. You would not want to consume. If someone handed you a plate of food and it had this big yellow like warning sticker saying, please do not eat, this is garbage. Of course, you're not going to eat it. So the simplest thing to do is, and this is what we teach in the TikTok book, it's just post these kinds of stories. This is not just theoretical. My friend, Andrew McGuire, he has an Italian restaurant in Chicago in a suburb of Chicago. Chicago is like this major city. And there's a lot of Italian food in Chicago, so it's edited, right? And he gave me the same thing. Oh, I've been listening to these consultants and I spent all this money and I 
spent all this time making Facebook posts and buying these tools and all these AI things that do these AI crazy things. And I'm not attracting sales in my restaurant and I really can't tell what's going on. Why do people come into La Gondola? That's the restaurant. So they come in because they really like our pizza. And families come in on Fridays, this soccer team comes in and this is like part of their thing. They bring the team in and we know them and okay, why don't you collect some of these stories? And why don't you like go into the kitchen and say, hey, I'm Andrew, I started, look on, let me show you a little secret about how we make our pizza. Let me tell you, let me, not as a commercial, but if you're bringing a friend into the back, kind of say, hey, you want to come check it out? Like how we make the food? Oh, meet Fred, meet these other people. He did that and started doing a dollar a day on Facebook and it started bringing people in. And here's what, here's what patrons said when they came in. They said, wow, I feel like I know Andrew. I feel like I know the other people there. And because when you see someone on social media, yeah, this is a weird thing. Like once, maybe this has happened to you. Actually, I'm sure it's happened to you. I look at your social media and then they see, when they see you on social media and then they see you in person, they feel like they're meeting a celebrity because I saw you on social media, right? Yep. So we also took some of his little videos. Now the key is making cell phone videos, not professional videographer, Hollywood, things that look like they would have come off of someone's cell phone because they are. We took those and I boosted those. The Facebook stuff done really well. Then we put it on Twitter and then we targeted just a little area around his restaurant within a few blocks. Guess what the click-through rate was on that post? 10%. 17%. Whoa. So, seven, so almost one in five of the people that are scrolling mm -hmm. on Twitter and, the, and Facebook was about 10%, but one in five of the people that are scrolling stopped and watched that video and liked and commented on it. And what, and because you do a lot of online advertising, you help a lot of restaurants, what's a good engagement rate or what's a good CTR on an ad? A good, a good CTR, we would say anything above two to 3% is healthy, but five to 10% is like, you're really starting to, that's standing up. If you're doing well, but what's the average for most people? Let's say oh, the, average, the, average, the, restaurant. the average for most yeah, people. Not even one, yeah, probably half a percent. So if we're saying the standard of excellence is 10%, that's how you know when something's like even pretty decent and maybe one in 10 will hit that standard. So you have to make lots of, you can't just make one ad. You can't just make one post and say, oh, I'm done. I went to the gym. I worked out one time. I don't have six pack apps. No, you have to, you have to try it a certain, I'm not saying go indefinitely, but when you hit north of 10%, that's a sign that what you're putting out there is relevant to the audience. So the content targeting combination, as you know, in Facebook is called the relevant score. And the same is true on what we did with search engines 20 some years ago, which is still true today, called quality score. When the stuff you put out there in the feed or in people's search results aligns with that user base and more than 10% are liking, commenting, and sharing, that sets that set a signal to the search engine, hey, we should show this more in the feed. And then you go viral, right? So he, so Andrew went viral in his community and he has some posts that you would not think are anything. I'm trying to remember some of the ones that are just like low lighting, showing a lasagna or showing a happy moment between a wife and not celebrating something. And it's not a commercial, right? And Andrew's just celebrating these other people's life moments and events and all this kind of stuff and saying, I'm so grateful for or just talking about people's lives, not talking about the food. Yeah. And, and it works. It's driving people in and they come in and they say, man, I really liked that post that you made a couple of days ago about whatever, because it really resonated with me because I'm also a single mom, because I'm also, because I also, whatever. It has nothing to do with the food. I'm sure the food's great. You know, what restaurant's gonna say, oh, my food sucks. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so let's say we we do that. We flip the script from focusing on our food and drink and the space and we go to we emphasize the people more. We our team members, maybe even our vendors, yeah, and then our yeah. guests. Our guests are yeah. some of our best fans. And and we do that, we make really simple content, like low budget. Very simple. We just use our phone. We don't overcomplicate it. We maybe challenge right. ourselves to make a quick video or two every single day. Um, we start sharing right. that. And we put a dollar a day behind some of our best performers, the ones that seem to resonate yep. the most. We start getting that yep. rate up higher and higher. So if it seems to be hitting or resonating. Now, my question, Dennis, is what do you say to the restaurant owner who's like, okay, great, I have these very healthy online metrics. How can I go about ensuring that the healthy online metrics is actually translating into butts in seats or expanded or growing yeah. revenue? Yeah. So there's three ways. But first, let me back up and say something. With dollar a day, you are putting a dollar a day for seven days. So you're spending $7 to test one piece of content. And you do that on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube works really well. All of the channels, even TikTok, right? It's $5 a day is the minimum to test. But when you find a winner, because you put a dollar, maybe you're, you have the chicken and the egg where your page and your audience is very small, that you have to put the money against it just to even get some data. Over time, you start to develop these winners and these are what we call your greatest hits. And then you don't have to keep producing more content because your greatest hits are already there. I saw Axl Rose sing Sweet Child of Mine. And this is a song from 1987, Appetite for Destruction. I saw him a couple of years ago. He's like, mid fifties or something. That stuff was like 30 years ago. And he's still earning royalties on his greatest hits. He hasn't come out with anything in 30 years. You know, the Guns N' Roses singer guy. The same is true when you're a restaurant or any service business, when you find those greatest hits, those particular stories, you can allow those to continue to run. Dollar a day makes it so you don't have to keep posting three times a day across Instagram and Facebook. Like you don't have to do that. You could have one of the servers check social media because sometimes you complain, but they also give compliments and all that. But it reduces the burden of having, you're not a newspaper where you have to keep putting out news every day. And if there's no news, you have to make something up. And that's the problem with social media is that restaurants feel that they have to keep doing these kinds of things. So that said, when you find these greatest hits, three ways on how to determine ROI. One, Facebook and Google both give you stats on in-store visits. That's a really cool metric. And when you run ads and you boost, in-store visits is one of the objectives that you can run to. And we did this for Maggiano's, actually furniture, the world's largest furniture brand. I think our cost was $7 per in-store visit. We did it for Starbucks. I know Starbucks is not the same as a restaurant. And Starbucks is that their behavior pattern is different. And the loyalty is a lot stronger because they have a card and an app and all that. The cost there might be like a buck, right? And when you bring people in and the, they come in for the first time they've not been before, if in the POS, depending on what you're using, you can track how many people come. If they come, they're not going to be profitable off of a first visit based on marketing costs. That's just the math of it. But if they come two, three, four, then you start to, then it becomes a good thing. And then you track that word of mouth effect. Two, is you can track things like link clicks because you can boost a post and then choose link click as an objective and see how many people are visiting that page. And if your Google Analytics is set up properly, then you see who's buying gift cards, who's looking at the menu, who is calling, who's, you can look at your GMB data, right? So if there's three actions on GMB, there's calling, maps and directions and website visits, right? And the third thing you can do, which is one of my favorites, but be careful, is you can run an offer 
So, hey, bring this coupon in and if you spend $25, you get a free dessert. I don't like to do that too often because it feels like gimmicky. You're not McDonald's. We've done this kind of stuff for uh, Quiznos. We've done it. We've done it for other QSR. We did stuff with Domino's Pizza. That does work for lower end QSR. But if you are not, you wouldn't think of going to go to a doctor and they have coupons of 50% off a heart surgery. Like that's, or you're, you know, a fine dining. You don't expect to see a coupon. It could be, a coupon can be reframed into loyalty. Yeah. Which is another way of giving a discount, which doesn't seem like it's some Chuck E. Cheese, buy one pizza, get one free. You're not trying, unless you're that kind of, there's nothing wrong with being that kind of business. But if yeah. you're classy, you don't want to do that. Well, I think, I think an offer can be put in wrapping paper that is tasteful. Yeah. I, if, yeah, if you're like an elevated finer dining spot and you say get a 20% discount, that feels incongruent. But if you're fine dining and yeah, you offer like maybe your subscribers once a year or twice a year, a complimentary dessert or something like that. Birthdays. Yeah. Well, and if you leverage your list saying, hey, bring this on your birthday or your friend's birthday and here's the special, right? Yeah. Or that like, works well. And that's loyalty marketing because it's based on them having come back instead of, oh, you're some big discount. Yeah, yeah. Or like having a, a couple glasses of bubbles ready for you at your table on your anniversary, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hotels do the same thing too, right? The whole point of like loyalty marketing with credit card, airline points, like is all based on that. And it works super well for restaurants. It works especially well if you are multi-location. But if you just have one location and you don't have the sophistication of a loyalty program and a POS that does that kind of tracking and an app and all that, you can still do it by simply saying, hey, Show this one coupon. And this is something we've done for some small restaurants. Kyle, we'll put a fake barcode in the bottom and we'll put a dotted line thing all the way around the outside to make it look like a coupon. And then to then we just say, just show this to the server. And yeah, just, even just, though they don't scan the thing, but the what, what people instinctively, when they see the barcode, they think, oh, I need to save this. It's a coupon. Especially put the dot, like anyone over 30, if you put the dotted lines around the outside and you put the little scissors icon, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and yeah. like, oh yeah, I got to save this. This is a valuable coupon. Yeah, or right. just, just take a screenshot of this ad and show this to us, something like that. Yeah, but make it look like a coupon. Make it look like a like someone has to scan the thing, but we, even if you don't have a thing that does that. Yeah, we use a really cool tool. Do you know Coupon Tools? Coupon Tools really, really it's what we power our offers with. It's, it's, okay. it's just software and, and it makes the whole process, like the landing page is very seamless and it tracks the redemptions, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but yeah, if you, like, I wouldn't wait to get a tool like that to get started. Just, yeah. Do you don't need any tools. Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can- okay. that's it. Oh, Canvas, so good. Okay, awesome. So we we have some ideas around how to enact. Basically, this is like your content factory, right? Would you actually mind yeah. going? Actually, I think your content factory concept would be really helpful for restaurant owners because you guys yeah. have the topic wheel in there and then you have the the, uh, the why, how, and what, which is essentially yeah. a story framework, right? It is. Yeah. We, I didn't we, invent it. None, none of the stuff I invented. I didn't invent gravity. I just explained there's a formula behind it and this is how people buy. So Here's a way to think about all digital marketing from a business standpoint. It has nothing to do with what concepts you are, how big you are, what digital marketing channels popular today. Here's how it works. First step is you have to produce content. The easiest content is when you just co-create content or you get out of other people's content. You have servers create the content. You go search on TikTok for your restaurant's name and people are checking in and they're making stories or whatever it is. Okay, there's content being created, right? And that content, here's the key point about the content is channel independent. So if you're making content, like right now, you and I are making content in Zoom. Zoom happens to be the place that we're making the content, but that's not where the content necessarily will live, okay? So when there's content and it's stored on your phone, 
and Google Drive copied from an SD card stored inside the Zoom thing. There's content, okay? That's producing content. That's separate from the editing of the content, which is what we call processing. And most people think you need to have all these like fancy video editing tools. We have a ton of VAs that do Premiere Pro, After Effects, that kind of thing. But really, TikTok built their own video editing tool. It's called CapCut. Facebook allows you to do it inside the tool. Apple's got their own thing, like Apple Clips. And my favorite tool is Descript, which is super simple. It's got all kinds of AI features. But the point is, you can process content and you don't have to be a video editor, or you can just hire someone on Fiverr or hire a V to do it. But the content, the raw content, doesn't have to be edited, but if you edited it, you're processing it. That's the second page via whatever tool, have a VA do it if you can. And third step is you're posting it. So the reason why you're processing it, if you process it, is that you can then post it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, your GMB, your website, all these other places. So the content is independent of where it lives. So one piece of content can be chopped up and reused in many different ways. But because the formats are different slightly on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, then a very little amount of processing can help you. But we even find that unprocessed content, you could go from producing the content straight to posting it. I made an Instagram reel last night at midnight. Oh no, you're supposed to post at 2 p.m. Like, man, there's no, the ideal post should have three hashtags. No, not true. Just post it. Whenever, don't, oh, I don't want to post more than twice a day because the nonsense, just post it. And uh, Alex Ramosi and all these other guys, they, they all agree. That's a whole other discussion. Doesn't matter. Just post stuff whenever you feel like it. If it's good, just post it. Don't worry about when it is. And like I made one last night at midnight, okay? And it went semi-viral and people started commenting on it. And it was something I, that was very heartfelt. I was very passionate about it, how agencies lie. And so I just, I just, it was midnight and I just went off on a rant and I posted it as it was, I didn't edit it at all. And it did well. And I think that's what, where people, they, they get in their head that it has to be edited. It has to be a certain way. It has to have these captions in a certain way. The Alex Ramosi look like, doesn't have to. So that third step of posting is where most people get stuck. And I call that content constipation because maybe they're posting it to YouTube or they're posting it to Facebook. That same content can be posted to every single channel. You can post it to your GMB, you have an offer, you can post an offer there. You can post this, the exact same thing. You can post to Twitter. And if you want Reddit and Quora and like all the other places and the social media consultants will say, oh no, you can't do that. You need every channel different than you. Dude, you're freaking restaurant. You're not trying to be an influencer. You're not bringing Miley Cyrus or whatever. You just freaking post it, okay? They, they don't expect you as a restaurant to produce something like Nike would, okay? Just post it. And then the last step is promote which is the dollar a day, which is, and the chicken and the egg is that you have to spend a little bit of money. And I consider it social postage. It's like you pay UPS or FedEx to deliver a package. I, two days ago, somebody sent me a giant box of cookies. And I was so happy to see this. And it was from my friend who runs an SEO company. I coach him and it was just so cool. And he paid, he probably paid, I don't know, $50 to FedEx to ship this thing so it didn't melt because food is perishable. Like, when people send you meat and things, they have to pack a certain way. And I consider advertising social postage. It's just a way of you delivering. You're paying to deliver your message, right? You pay the post. You, there's a stamp, okay? You pay the post office to deliver the letter. That, that's the way I view it. I don't view it as advertising. If you produce content that's real, especially gathering stories, light processing, which isn't necessarily, you don't need, even need to do it. So you can then post on many channels and then promote it. That's the four stage content factor. The beauty is, 
You, as the busy restaurant owner, you only need to produce the content. The other three stages can be done by servers when it's not busy or your wife or, I mean, your husband, I don't know, whatever, the, like anyone else, a VA, some local high school student can go through our training. We're waking it free to these young adults and VAs and all that so that they can support you. Our whole mission is to create jobs. And when you follow this content factory process and then you boost like we talked about and figure out which ones win and you keep putting money against it, you don't have to keep producing more content. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And people often ask, what problem do we solve for restaurants? The main problem is obscurity, right? At any given time, there is a segment of the your local market that has no idea you exist or they've forgotten that you exist. And yeah. they're so frustrated because they're trying to solve this attention problem, this obscurity problem by posting on social media. Um, but it doesn't solve the attention problem because you're not actually reaching that no. many people. And so you must spend the social postage in order to actually yeah, reach the, the number of yeah. people you need to and that's reach new people as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let me tell you a story. So we had MGM Resorts International as a client for three years and they own 40% of Las Vegas. And each of these casinos, like the Bellagio, for example, has lots of fine dining and shows and whatnot. And when we first came in, we did an analysis and our strategy is find the thing that's performed the best. So what's performed the best? The fountains at the Bellagio. And they've hosted all these because they changed the music and the light in the fountains. They adjust based on all the choreography and all that kind of stuff. And those historically have gotten the most views on the GMB, on the Facebook and all that. And then I said, what are the things that have done the worst? And the worst performers are professionally shot pictures of the food and all. And, and then these this like couple that clinking the wine glasses that you can tell looks like stock art because you could tell it's commercial. You could tell it was, you, you understand what I mean, Kyle. You can tell it wasn't real. They, like those two people, the way they're smiling is just not real. Yep. And so we sorted it top to bottom and gave it to the head of digital marketing across all their properties and resorts and restaurants and everything, which is like 200 some properties because they're also worldwide. It's not just Las Vegas. I said, Beverly, this and Beverly and I worked together at Yahoo way back. We go way back in different companies. I said, Beverly, this is what's winning and this is what's losing. It seems like there's a clear pattern here, don't you think? What does this tell us about our marketing efforts? What do we need to tell the Bellagio? What do we need to tell these different restaurants that we have on what, they, what we need to do to change the marketing strategy? How should we change our content strategy? It's very clear. We need to collect things that look more UGC, user-generated content, that look like we are elevating you know, people's lives and celebrating. And we did that and engagement was way higher. But some of the brand people, some of the other agencies, there's many agencies involved when you have a multi-billion dollar corporation, they push back saying that's against the brand guidelines and it needs to look a certain way. And they're trying to push it back into the whole, make it look like an ad category. And then they were putting like eight hashtags on every single post on Twitter and Facebook. And I said, guys, you know how many hashtags you should have? Zero hashtag, right? The only time you have a hashtag is when you have a product launch, like Nike comes out with a new shoe. And then there's a hashtag that unites everything across all the different channels, some like slogan. But if you're not a multi-billion dollar company doing a Olympics level launch and using the same tagline across all the channels, including TV, don't do any hashtag because consumers don't look at it. It looks, it looks like an ad. Lo and behold, it worked. But there was one, one little sticky that made it difficult for us to implement besides the bureaucracy and people trying to fight us was that in Vegas, because we started to roll this out, people didn't want to get their picture taken or didn't want to celebrate the moment. A lot of the times, the woman that the guy's with is not the guy's wife. 
So then, oh, okay. But aside from that, oh, guys, mind if we share your, your celebrating? It looks like you're celebrating. Mind if we'd love to share that on the Bellagio or the XYZ restaurant, social media. And most of the time they say yes, and they like that. So we train the servers to be able to do that. And so the servers are actually your marketing team. I think that's really cool. And these are people who are naturally, you know, your servers are talking to customers, they're your eyes and ears. And then we do, some restaurants will also do this too, but we'll do a incentivizing the service, right? We'll pay $5 every time that there's a review that mentions your name or whatnot. And some people say, we well, can't do that. That's against Yelp and Google and Facebook's terms of service. No, it, you can't incentivize the customer. You can't, you can't tell the guest, oh, if you give us five stars, we'll give you a free dessert. Yeah, you're right. You can't do that. But you can incentivize the service and okay. that works well. You've seen that, right? That's yeah. a great program. And it yeah. doesn't have to be a lot. Just five, just five bucks. That's it. Whatever. Right. Yeah. Make it fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like one of our first pieces of, of building retention for restaurants is front of house sales and growth training, because like you said, they are the sales force. They have the most rapport with guests. So it's, and if we can align their incentives with the business's incentives, for example, incentivizing them to get more reviews, then they do it. But we just, we yeah. have to let them know what we're doing as a business and then incentivize yeah. them to act in accordance with that. Yeah. I'll tell you another story. My friend, Olivier, he is very French and he has this French, French accent and he owns the baguette cafe. And it's the number one rated cafe on Yelp in the United States, which is crazy. Think about how many reviews you need to have to be number one. And he's in Las Vegas. He just opened his second location and he was struggling with his second location. The first location was doing really well because of the nature of where it is and people know about it and people stop all the time because they grab a fresh made croissant and a coffee. And this guy's like super particular. You can imagine like the French chef, like he's one of, he's like that. Like I would see him, he was, he stated as one of my Airbnb guests. That's how I knew like he would bring back these pastries and things like that. It's just amazing. I said, how do you do? Aren't you tired? She had to work at the place the whole time. And so he was struggling with this new location and he thought the name, the Baguette Cafe would carry over because he was, op his new one, he opened in Henderson in like the rich new part of town thinking it would just take off in the new shopping center. And it didn't. So he wanted to hire a marketing agency that wanted to charge him $7,500 a month. And he showed me the proposal and he said, Dennis, what do you think? You're this digital marketing guy. This agency wants to charge $7,500 a month. And they claim that they're going to do all this PC and SEO and they're going to fix my website and they're going to do all this like magic algorithm stuff. And I said, what, what? So like half of this is SEO. So what do they do? Oh, they said it's like this big algorithm secret. It's proprietary. This whole SEO thing. I'm like, try me. I'm a search engineer. Go ahead. See, maybe I won't, maybe I don't understand, but go ahead and try me. I've been doing this since the beginning and I actually know the guy that sent the proposal for $7,500 a month. He's just a sales guy and he's built at the seven figure business serving restaurants, but it was just, I don't want to say it's a scam, but there was nothing to it. And I said, Olivier, put your money away, follow this process of making these one minute videos and having your staff and whatnot collect this and follow these steps. It's not hard to do. You don't have to be some like well-trained NASA astronaut, whatever kind of person to be able to do this. Anybody can do this. Your staff can do this, right? And it's been working. It's very simple. And some people have said, and this guy got mad saying, oh, you're trying to hurt me. Why didn't this guy, he could have signed up for my $7,500 a month package. And I said, I'm not going to name him, but hey man, that's unethical. Yes, there's like the amount of money that we charge Starbucks 
or Quiznos or Domino's Pizza to help them with their marketing. Yeah, they have 20,000 locations, so they can afford 50 grand with us a month. But if you're a mom and pop and you're only doing half a mil, you're not even doing a mil a year. I just, I think it's very hard for an agency to be able to deliver. And it just, the math is very hard for the agency's sake. You don't want to take on a client. It's only going to pay you $2,000 a month. And then you have to have advertising on top of it. There's just not enough room because of all the overhead of running an agency, paying salespeople and operations. Plus you're not there on site. The people who work at the restaurant just have, they're, they have an advantage. They're freaking there with the customer. They're working at the one place. When you're running an agency, you're trying to handle 50 clients at the same time. You can't keep on top of all of them. You, like imagine trying to have 50 girlfriends and pretending like you love them all. That's, it just doesn't work. So if you're an agency watching this, take on those guys who have five plus locations that are doing at least a couple million because then they can afford to pay you. You don't have to try to lower your prices to where like even you can't make money. It's hard for you to deliver and you want to be able to charge enough to do a good job, right? Oh, totally. So you yeah. at the restaurant, if you're doing less than a million, and you're like, oh, but I don't want to, I don't want to do the marketing. I'm already so busy because they specialists. I want to have my mechanic work on the car versus me learning to work on the car. I'm not asking anyone to do anything sophisticated. There's all this crazy stuff that you could do. You and you and I, Kyle, both know about this whole shiny object syndrome. Every day, the social media consultants are trying to be experts. They're trying to confuse us with all this news. Oh, Twitter changed their thing to X.com. Now, what are we going to do? Now there's this thread social network. What about all these AI tools? They're just trying to confuse you, okay? If you do the basics of what Kyle and I have just talked about, you're going to be fine. You make one-minute videos, you boost them for a dollar a day, find the winners, and let them keep running. That's it. All the other stuff does not matter. That's later, okay? Well, I love it, Dennis. Love. I'm a huge fan of the approach. And yeah, it's similar. Like if someone come, comes to me and says, hey, Kyle, like, can you help us look at our ads? I'll have a budget of a thousand or two thousand bucks. I'm like, honestly, just if you have that money, then put that into the ad platform and see what the ad platform teaches you. See what data you get back. Don't yeah. like like that because that's what that money will actually work for you directly for your business. Yeah, exactly. And then come back and we'll have a conversation around what the data shows you. But get in the yeah. game. And it does not have to be a thousand or two thousand dollars, as Dennis is saying here. It can be a dollar a freaking day. So I love that. And Dennis, I just yeah. really want to respect your time. I'd love to wrap up with a real quick rapid fire round of cues. Let's do it. Would you be up for that? Let's okay. do it. Awesome. Let's do it. All-time favorite restaurant experience. Oh, there's Foco de Chao. I absolutely love because I love Brazilian barbecue and the service was so attentive. And just me as a guest, I love the variety and I don't like the weight. And it's like having a buffet without the downside of the buffet. Awesome. All-time favorite drink or cocktail? Oh, whiskey sour. Nice. What's your whiskey of choice? I'm a big fan of everything Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah. And I've tried the other flavors too when they launched them. Tennessee honey's amazing, especially with lemonade. Ooh, ooh, that does sound deadly. What tool or resource has had the biggest impact on you? You'd never realize it, but I have to manage a lot of things via email. So I use this tool called Boomerang, which is a Gmail plugin, which tracks everything so that things come back so I don't have to forget or I never lose anything because it keeps track of stuff for me. I also have a virtual assistant, an executive assistant that helps me on that too. Yeah, I never lose track of things. Oh, I, I could use that for sure. And then last two questions here. What are you most excited about going like for the rest of the year? Is there one thing on the horizon that you're really jazzed about? I'm excited about working with folks like you, Kyle, and teaching audiences to be able to hire young adults and hire their servers or hire all these kids that maybe don't want to go to college and create social media jobs for them. I'm the keynote speaker 
in a few weeks for the National Funeral Directors Association, which is thousands of funeral homes. And I'm teaching them how they can hire a local college kid or their son or daughter to be able to use these AI tools to help them with their website and social media and all that. And I just love seeing these jobs. I've been testing this the last few months and teaching these kids how to use these cool new AI tools and it's gonna put a lot of agencies out of business. But I'm excited about that, not because I'm trying to hurt agencies, but because it's creating so much opportunity for young adults. And you and I know young adults naturally understand social media and apps and all that. And finally, they're gonna be able to be influencers or whatever by leveraging what they know. And old people like me need to hire these young people to do the social media and digital marketing and ads and that thing, website, all that stuff. Totally. Actually, I've added one more question. Based on our very brief chat together, do you sense that I have a blind spot that you could reveal to me? I think you've been asking me the questions here. So I've never thought about it the other way. I had, just from looking at your content the last week or so, it looks like most of your content is you, Kyle. So I would say, and not necessarily it's a blind spot, but a suggestion, maybe consider featuring and honoring other people and sharing their stuff and showing more clips of their faces. Because we would just look at your Facebook, your Instagram or whatever, and your TikTok. I know you, who am I to be giving you advice? You're bigger than me on some of those channels. But consider what happens when you show them. It lets you reach different audiences as well. well doesn't I'll, mean you're not doing a great job. I think you're doing a great job. I appreciate that. I'll be sure to share your face. And then fi finally, is there anything I should have asked you that I, I did not? You asked me indirectly, but what are the biggest mistakes that restaurants are making with their digital marketing? The opposite of what I said, basically, is the answer to that. And okay, do you want to just, do you want to just hit us like with the biggest mistakes, which is just, I, from what I gathered, focusing yeah. obsessively on food and drink and not the people. Yeah. Yeah. And then from your marketing standpoint, because you want to let your greatest hits do the work for you, you should be spending 90% of your time trying to get more out of what's already working and only 10% of your time making new content. I see it flipped. All these restaurants are spending 90% of their time trying to make new content. What are you thinking? Unless you're brand new and you have zero presence, grand opening. Okay, fine. And the same thing for evergreen content, which is telling stories or whatever versus like deals or here's this new special we have. Great. You can still launch specials or whatever, but by the, or here's our July 4th thing. Okay, great. But what happens on July 5th? That content's no good anymore. So I like reusable content stories by definition or how to's or featuring other people, though that's evergreen. You can meet evergreen means you can keep using it. And so that's how you get ROI on things that have compound interest, if that makes sense. hundred percent. Dennis, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I can't wait to release this and I'll be sure to share with you as soon as we do. Yeah. Thank you, Kyle. And tag me and any of you guys that are watching or listening. I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear your stories. If you're running ads, you're struggling a little bit and you need a quick little audit, just go ahead and post some of those ads, how they're performing. And I'll give you some free feedback. It's super easy. I see a lot of people, they'll spend $50, $100, they'll test some things and I can instantly pinpoint. I've done this thousands of times. Just post, just tag me on Facebook, make a little video showing your thing or take some screenshots and I'll give you feedback on it. Amazing. Thank you, Dennis. Anywhere else we can send people to connect with you? Yeah, you can Google me and you'll see a whole knowledge panel pop up. So whatever your favorite channels are, I have a best-selling book on social media and Amazon. I use a dollar a day to promote it on Amazon. So I outsell Gary Vaynerchuk and all them. LinkedIn, whatever, Twitter, whatever your Instagram, I'm on all of them. Awesome. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate you.